0: Hi, you're listening to the Monsters of Talk. I'm Margaret Cho. I'm here with my co-host.
1: Hello, I'm Jim Short.
0: Jim, um, one of the things that I fucking hate, <laughs> I fucking hate, but I love the people that do it. But I fucking hate doing. It's a show called
1: Setlist. Setlist.
0: Now, this show is very upsetting to me, and I. I've been asked to do it many times in all different parts of the world. And I, I say yes to it only because I love the people. And um, that would be Paul Provenza and Troy Conrad and all of the comics who get involved mm. in it. But the, the premise of it is that you are... Um, it, you have to do a set based on suggestions from the audience, but not what they give you. It's more that they um, write it down... And then you have a, you have like I guess a box. I think they curate it to some degree. Do, do you know if they do?
1: I'm not sure. I think they they sort of write some things out. Uh, some they're basically like a topic. Like it would be the topic of a of a bit that you have. Mm-hmm. But it's very weird and strange and different and something you've never seen before.
0: Right. So you you've s- yeah. got to
1: now improv something, and the audience sees the topic come up on the screen. So now they're going, okay, what are they going to do with this? Right. Weird topic.
0: They see it at the same time you do. Yes. And you have to, uh, you have to justify it. You have to actually make it happen. And there's certain people that are brilliant at it. Mm. I know that Rick Overton is probably the master of yeah. it. Yeah. Um, I, I think also Paul Provenz is very 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 brilliant yeah. at it. Um, which is why he's the host. And and you know he loves comedy and he's really, you know he's really special. So he um. You know, he's brought the show all over the world with Troy Conrad. um, And uh, Will Anderson was on the night that we did it. Will Anderson did a sort of a different kind of take on it because Will actually did it as Sam Simmons.
1: Yes, another comic, an Australian comic. Yes. so It it was was very, very funny to to see Will actually, because when Will was on our podcast, he talked about people who, as a joke, did other people's acts in front of them. And it's almost like he kind of did Sam's act in a couple of spots and then did the set list as the way Sam would do it. Right. And it was hilarious.
0: It was really hilarious. And um, I did it, uh, which I just got angry and started yelling and then started talking about suicide, which I, you know, you remember when it was like a Paul Hester suicide Mm -hmm. and I couldn't stop fucking Mm -hmm. talking about it? So I love Paul Hester. Yeah. And we were in Melbourne where that happened. Yeah. And I, I, you know, and Australian people don't want to talk about darkness. They're very hesitant, I think, to talk about darkness. Yet, Australia itself, and of course I love it, but there is a darkness to some of the culture. Mm. You know, like in movies,
1: Yeah, right, yeah, right. like
0: Snow, the Snowtown Murders, which is probably the darkest film.
1: It's pretty, it's pretty bleak and dark.
0: Or Animal Kingdom yeah and you know it it there is a darkness but the the the, in general when you bring up dark topics people get really not it's not uncomfortable it's not even uncomfortable like british people get fucking visibly uncomfortable (laughs) british people just (laughs) but australians they become sad you know like they you, you know you you don't want to push it like they they, they are such a um, the culture is so sunny
1: yeah yeah
0: and cheerful and then when you bring up something dark they feel the sadness of it
1: well it's you know what it is it's kind of like it, it the whole country is like the beach yeah so it's like you took a shit at the beach <laughs> you did something dis- some, something disruptive and nasty at the beach yes that's sort of what it's like
0: yes but it's you, you, they don't blame you and they don't get angry at oh, you. Like,
1: Come on, mate.
0: Uh, like, oh, you know, they, all
1: right. Come, all right. Get right. out of order, mate.
0: All right. <laughs> all right. All right now. Where British people would just get fucking pissed off <laughs> or shut you down. Like Australians try to talk you out of it. Yeah. All right. That's not so bad. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Oh. Oh. You, you've
1: got the Australian woman down. Well,
0: it's not all It's not all so bad. It's like, now, now, I, now I, I fucked it up. Wait, all right, all right, all right. How you going, Margaret? <laughs> How you going? <laughs> so um, anyway, I got real angry during the set. I brought up some things that I didn't want to talk about and then
1: I <laughs> got furious. But we also talked. But it and, worked. It, it was worked. really a great set.
0: Well, it was what I would authentically do.
1: Because you addressed it. You know, you didn't yeah. just go up there like, Oh, let me just do this bit and improv through something and you're like, eh, I don't fucking enjoy this sometimes <laughs> and that broke the ice of it. And yeah. then you had a great set.
0: Yeah, it was really it really was great and that's why it's good for me to do the show and good for me to approach things that I get angry about and I don't like because oftentimes I find a way to like it. You know, yeah. and that's a that's a good feeling. And um we also talked to um my old old really old friend Paul Provenza, who I really do love. And the reason why I do the show, and um, he's somebody who loves comedy. You know, he, had, he has a, the show The Green Room, of course, The Aristocrats. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, he, he is sort of our historian and, yeah. and archivist.
1: Well, the, he, and, um, he, he wrote the text for a great book. Sadaristas, yes, which which you're uh, featured in that, yes, it's the portraits by a fantastic photographer from from San Francisco, Dan Dion. yes, our friend, and Paul. They collaborated. Paul wrote the text uh, and did the interviews with, with, with mm-hmm. the comics in there, and uh, it's a it's a it, yeah, it's a great look at at comedy as well. It's like so yeah, he's really sort of he's sort of like documenting comedy a lot too. Yeah,
0: and it gives us a lot of. I mean, he really honors the profession. You know, he, he gives a lot of grace and, and honor to what we do, and I really appreciate that. You know, and I, I, I've, I've known him for a very long time, and, yeah. and you know, I've always had a great admiration and affection for him, and, and from the television show Comics Only yeah, as well. And he also has Vince Champ's life story. Oh, that's right. <laughs>
1: That's right. We talk about that in it. I forgot about that. Yeah. Vince Champ, who is, I don't know if we we go into it in, should we set it up just a little bit? Well,
0: I wonder if he, well, okay. Vince Champ was a um, stand-up comedian and very handsome man who uh, I performed with in the uh, San Francisco International Comedy Competition. You actually showed uh, me on Facebook, you showed the, you have the program from it, where mm-hmm. I'm actually next to him.
1: Your picture and, and little bio is right next to Vince Champ's.
0: Be, and this is really scary because Vince Champ, well, what did you say when you,
1: girl? Girl, you better move down one. <laughs> you better move along.
0: Because it turns out Vince Champ was a serial rapist. And um, we talked to Paul about it. Yeah. But he was found, he was discovered, but they, 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 because a woman was listening to the radio
1: yeah, and, and he was doing one of his zoo. victims. Yeah, I guess Vince was a touring comedian, and that, it, that he would, he would he would then visit local colleges, and mm-hmm. this well, is what he was convicted of, and he would commit the rapes there. Mm-hmm. And some woman heard him on the radio plugging his show, like some time later, and he used a voice and an inflection mm-hmm. to do a bit on the radio, and she went, "Oh my God, that's the man who raped me." Right. And that led to the police investigation and, and putting him behind bars.
0: But they would see, they would look and see um, where his touring schedule, you know, all the different clubs he was at, and yeah. that's where the rapes occurred. So they, they saw from his, his kind of schedule that it, it matched. Like where he was is where it happened. Yeah. And um, it, it, I wonder if he's getting raped in prison now.
1: Oh, wouldn't that be interesting?
0: I'm gonna jerk off to that.
1: That's <laughs> that's so hot for you.
0: <laughs> that's really hot for me, because as I know, I, I I know, and everybody else does. By this point, I love male rape. <laughs> I just
1: S- specifically the prison variety. Right? It,
0: the pr- it has to be in prison. It, it I don't like prison. I don't like male rape just um, you know, out on the street or whatever. That's not it's no. just, that's not hot.
1: Is that depicted in much in much pop culture? No, because there's a the, the very lot of a couple of TV shows specifically Oz.
0: Oz, they do it in Snowtown Murders where oh, there is yes, there, there is, yes. is the male rape that happens there. That didn't turn me on.
1: No, because it was, was a bit sort of rough.
0: Well, it was his brother, and it was at the house, their house. Yeah, and um, you know, if they were in a prison, maybe yeah, that would be hot to me. But uh, that wasn't that hot. I mean, I, I didn't get off on that.
1: No, you didn't get you didn't get aroused. But is does. Oh,
0: that's the, you know Oz what? Oz pushes that, your buttons. Yeah, that's, I just, I can't help it. Anyway, we talk about... <laughs>
1: this is the greatest lead-in, right? To uh, male rape. And uh, anyway, uh, here's their interview with... Someone that we love. We
0: we know we love him and he didn't get raped and, and, and the, but we did talk about this rapist and Oh yes he did. <laughs> no no no. No. He didn't get he but he has the Vince Champ's life story.
1: That's wild. Yeah, I forgot about that.
0: Yeah, he has that um um in his possession.
1: The a manuscript.
0: The manuscript. So and he doesn't know whether or what will become of that, but that story I think is very valuable, so I hope that um it gets told. Yeah. Um, but we love Paul, and here is our interview with Paul Provenza. We're here with Paul Provenza. Hi, Paul. Hi You're my really old friend. I used to stay at your house. Do you remember? In, um,
2: I do. I do remember in, that. And um, you know, I still live there?
0: Oh, you do. Yes, That's I a do. That
2: shows you how my life's gone. I'm still in the same place for 30 years. It's a
0: nice place, though.
2: It's not bad. Yeah.
0: I slept in that bed a bunch.
2: I know. I heard stories.
0: Tishon Shannon it was a nice <laughs> apartment that was when like none of us had an apartment so when you would come to Los Angeles there would be like one place and it was yours
2: <laughs> my place was Shea Comedy for a long time yeah. actually you know Brendan Burns
0: mm-hmm.
2: the, he's in my place right now <laughs> oh
0: yeah I mean it, that's kind of what happens with the comedy apartments you had a comedy apartment too Jim right
1: Like yeah a limited one like people would come stay with us Troy stayed at our place a oh bit. is that right no, I'm, I'm good mate yeah um, but yeah, I mean, especially in places like San Francisco, where everybody's always looking for somewhere to stay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, and, and especially comics. It's like uh, a hotel. No, who do I know?
2: I remember uh, for many years in the '80s, um, uh, a whole bunch—myself, George Wallace and one or two other people all shared Jerry Seinfeld's old apartment. on oh my God. Uh, the, the one that's actually it's the same address as, as he used on the TV series. Oh, really? So, you, you know, you'd come down to go out and there'd be all these people taking pictures from all over the world. That's and,
0: historical. Yeah, I know.
2: It's really funny. That's incredible. But yeah, so we all shared that one little studio apartment for years because who could afford a hotel room in New York? Mm-hmm.
0: Right, and that, well, that's what's so great about comics is that we actually are very good tenants. You know? Like...
2: We, we're, never, we're never there. We're
0: never there. And then, you know, if someone needs a place to stay, <laughs> they like um, are able to come. And I don't know, we're very easy with each other. Because um, Jim had an apartment. He lived with Brian Mallow. And um, who, else was, who else was that? And
1: Kevin Kataoka.
0: Yeah, Kevin Kataoka. <coughs> oh, man. And Kevin then, um, is hilarious. I, I hopped from apartments. I was in Kevin. I lived with Kevin before at Jim Earle's apartment mm-hmm. with Lincoln Earle. And, Earl. mm. and um, at your apartment and um, but it's it's such a weird thing because you know that that's one of the great things about we're like we were like before Airbnb
1: yeah, so I was just thinking, it was like the precursor to that. Yeah, if you it was a like, comic. you had someone it,
2: it was sort of like a, a fraternity, you know, like supposedly you could go to any fraternity member's place and they, you know, have to take <laughs> care of you and right. they have to have to be there for you if you need a favor. But uh, it's, it's it's like we all serve in the military, like we've all been in yeah. foxholes and we all like <laughs> like, where did you serve? I did. Dayton, Ohio. No, <laughs> the I was comedy just in zone Detroit. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh.
0: <laughs> the comedy <laughs> zone anywhere.
2: Oh, you got a little PTSD from that gig, you
0: know? Yeah, mm. but did you ever stay but at also, Ron Lynch's? Uh, though? Also,
2: when we go, no, I never stayed at Ron oh. Lynch's. Um, but when we, you know, our lives take such weird turns and our careers take such weird turns that, like, there's a lot of time for a lot of comedians where we go, I don't know, I think I'm kind of moving here, but I'm not sure, you know, between yeah, New York or LA that's or, true. or even London now. That's you true. You know, it's like people are like. I kind of live here but i kind of don't and you so you're in that in-between place a lot That's yeah. an interesting thing about stand-up comedy. people don't realize what the actual mechanical aspects of a life in stand-up comedy
1: okay. are but yeah. they're really
2: nutty and aren't they
1: isn't that why you would keep your place for that long too because it's like that's the one sense that is of exactly roots that you have right. like i'm not fucking looking for anywhere else that this is, is where ex- my shit stays when i'm away exactly right i do not get along with almost
2: anybody in my building But I'm not moving because it's the (laughs) one thing that's been consistent in my life for as long as it's been consistent. I know. It's a weird attachment I have to it. And the same phone number, too. Oh, yeah. Right. Right. I didn't get rid of my landline just because I didn't want to get rid of the same. (laughs) I wanted something. That has
1: been consistent in my life for a long period <laughs> well, of time. Well, that's that thing, too. It's just like that's that one bit of consistency you have. And like a lot of comics, too, if you ask, how long have you been here? Oh, uh, 28 years. Yeah. <laughs> it's like Larry Bubbles Brown and his $400 apartment <laughs> in the marina. <laughs> uh, oh, my God. He's never right. going to give it up because <laughs> he's lived there for And he's still like, yeah, I don't know if I can afford it anymore. It's fucking $400, Bubbles. Yeah, Bubbs. By the
2: way, have you seen um, Larry Bubbles Brown's business card? No. no. It's one of the funniest things I've ever seen. What? It's a photograph of a plane going down in flames, and it just says, it's over on it. <laughs>
1: and on the other side <laughs> is just this a contact landline info. With a landline. The other side should be no contact info. Yeah. That would be more Bubz. <laughs> actually, I think it's just a website.
0: <laughs> BobbyBitter.com.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, Everything's over for, I'm so for in love with,
0: I, I love Larry Bubbles Brown. You know, I'm, I'm his first um, uh, mail-order bride wife Bobby Bitter's first to bride bride-wife. Suck, suck. I was like 17 years old. He's like, yeah, Margaret, why don't you be suck, suck?
2: That is a distinction.
0: So adorable. He
2: has the most vicious insult that he does when he doesn't like a comic on stage. It's, it's so subtle and vicious at the same time. You know, somebody's doing a joke about, you know, cats and dogs or the difference between blacks and whites or whatever. He'll just go... He's right Oh Larry I love Larry
1: Oh he's just hilarious
2: No um, uh, We've only done it up in the Bay Area a couple of times Oh, And uh, no that hasn't happened yet But I'd love to see him do it
0: But you guys do it all over the world though Because every time I see you it's like in Edinburgh or London I know it's crazy right Or like New York or Yeah we're like bird
2: flu Nothing We are like bird flu um, uh, set list, this, you know, that was when I first got involved with the show. Troy had asked me to do it like the second or third time that he had the format up on its feet. Uh-huh. And I just fell in love with it. I was just like, I was having an experience that I've never had as a comedian. And the audience, I could tell, was having experience they never had as an audience. And I was just like, this, there's something very, very meaningful about this yeah. across the board. And I went backstage and I said, Troy, would you honor me by partnering with me to take this thing around the world? Mm-hmm. And uh, he was like, hell yeah. And um, within two years, we did a series for uh, Sky Atlantic in the UK, which is already aired here in Australia. We took it to Edinburgh both those years and we're going back again this year. Um, It's on uh, twice a month in different events. It's at UCB once a month and it's at Nerd Melt Mm -hmm. uh, once a month. Uh, we're talking about setting it up in New York. Uh, we're doing a sit-down run in London at the Comedy Cafe, starting mid-May, uh, for like eight or ten weeks to see how it goes. On Monday nights, when all the comics are in town, and you know, and and, and we're just doing it really small and grassrootsy, just just so com- It's really for the comedians. I mean, the the setlist really truly is the whole genesis of it was was all for comedians. And and uh, and I, I you know what I love about the show is it's 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 all full of love. Mm-hmm. It's like the audience is absolutely in love with every comedian that takes right. the challenge on and they know that you're up there naked and vulnerable, you know, mm-hmm. and and um, they just love, they just give you all the free reign in the world and and, and the comedian is, is a little bit on their heels, so you know, that, that automatic sort of please like me thing comes out and the, yeah. the whole room is just so joyful and full of love. It's really, it's, it's, a, it's an amazing thing to see in comedy. Yeah. You know, because there's weird tensions with comedy. You there's know, a lot
0: of tensions. Yeah,
2: and, and that's kind of what makes it as rich an art form, is that there's a lot going on mm-hmm. in comedy. Like, there's so many nuances and subtleties and different interpretations and, mm-hmm. uh, and odd cultural aspects to it. And oh,
0: totally. You know, and
2: irony, you know, and who understands irony or, or any of that. It's just it's just so amorphous. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's amazing art form.
0: It is. But it's this, this show gives me a lot of fear. You know, I yeah. always, like, dance around it like, I don't fucking know, you guys. It's like, I mean, maybe because I always feel reticent anyway within the comedy community because I'm kind of, like, such an outsider. I've always felt that. So I'm like, oh, this is such a weird thing that these white men do.
2: Why, why have you always felt <laughs> that? Why do you think you've always felt that? Well,
0: I'm racially different. I'm a woman. I, I, en- I kind of envy the power of being kind of neutral because generally when people meet me, they have a feeling whether... Whatever it is, there's something that's going to, you know, either... I don't know. There's something that they either want or they judge or they have an idea uh, or can preconceived notion. Can I give you a notion?
2: little newsflash here? Yeah. That happens to everybody. I know. It's, it's, are, are a million different things that aren't yeah. race or gender or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, I was talking with Reese Nicholson the other night. And I just... He told me that when he was a kid, he was really, really heavy. He was, like, obese. Mm-hmm. And, 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 I, and I struck. I thought, you know, I... Like, his identity mm-hmm. to me, the, his, his personality, everything about him is thin and whip-like right and it was like such a shock to, to go oh wait you're also that person but whoa that's weird so it happens to everybody people mm. do that with everybody I guess so um, I think
0: I just you know I so it readily in the front of my mind as that I'm gonna have to accept something that I may not want. And then this show it's like kind of like I I think I need to control whatever's going on. Right. I think most comics
2: yeah do. Yeah, that's well that's part of what is such a big challenge about it. But yeah. it's also got kind of like I know for me it's like and a number of people that you know I've, I've spent some time talking with about it, 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 it there is that challenge of like it, like like really if I can't do this, you know, I've got to do this. It's like how yeah. can I not and and more importantly I have to know that I can do this Mm -hmm. you know and that's an interesting thing because I think that goes to the very very essence of the artistic impulse Mm -hmm. and I think Mm -hmm. that's what's so interesting about the show and why so many comedians keep doing it love it some people are addicted to it you know
0: well that's great i mean yeah, i think i think it's also competitive between ourselves too is that that's one time we actually watch each other's sets that's Is there a set right. list?
2: yeah but you know what's interesting is people don't judge each other for it they actually yes, talk do. like they were in the war together mm-hmm. and like you know oh you got hit in the arm you know i got a bum leg <laughs> you know it's, it's really, really interesting.
0: hard though that's yeah. what it feels like you just got shot down by fucking i remember i did setlist i got a bunch of fucking consonants
2: Oh, that's right, you just got a random. Fuck
0: Fuck these people. It was like a bunch of J's and K's. I tried to make some joke about Norway,
1: Uh but (laughs) it was very
0: like the only thing I could go to because it was Mm so. Sometimes well, see, that's the thing. thing.
2: When, we, when we put the sets together, we try and and make it like a golf course. Because mm-hmm. that's what it is. It's the, it's you against the set list, you right. know? And and um, uh, so we try to give different values to as many topics as mm-hmm. we can. Like, there's some that are just like, they're basically just premises. And it's just a straight shot down the fairway. You right. know, what club are you going to use? How far are you going to hit it? You know, it's mm-hmm. anybody can do something with this. You know, right. And then there are others that are just... Sort of like make you take a sharp left into some weird conceptual juxtaposition, or, mm-hmm. or it's really this, there's a, a very inexact science to, to the, the way it's all gut, too. Because Troy and I are like, like we both agree that this one is better than that one, but we have no idea why, you know, right. there's such an instinctive thing because we're comics, yeah. too, you know, and um, and, and so it's really funny. So, so sometimes we'll put stuff up that will just change, just take you out of literal. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. you have like with something like a mishmash of letters, just right. random letters, mm-hmm. you have to go what's around yeah. a mishmash of letters yeah. as opposed to what are those letters. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's really compelling. It's messed my head up. It's made it very hard to to <laughs> think of, of like, you know, the next big show that I want to do because I can't, man, it's it's like all I see are possibilities. I see right. no limitations. And I, I don't know what to do with that. Well,
0: it's being in the moment <laughs> like it's really Buddhist. You know, yes, it's, it's really Buddhist zen. to be yeah. right there, very zen. Yeah. And you're in the moment and you're inhabiting the moment, which has got to be the greatest thing. But for me, it's very scary because I very, very value control. Yeah, so yeah. So it brings up a lot of anxiety. I think it's a wonderful thing. It's beautiful to watch. I always love watching everybody. So you, you see how people's brains work.
2: Yeah, it's, it's, you, everybody takes a different journey. Yeah. 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 But that control thing is interesting. That was a big... Uh, ask. You know, I smoked pot for the first time in my life ever at the age of 38.
0: 38? Yes. Oh, that's rather late.
2: I know. I've n- not done any <laughs> other drugs. Uh, <laughs> I went through the whole 80s comedy boom without even thinking wow. of doing cocaine. Wow. I don't know. I'm, I, it was odd that way. I, was,
0: I used to pay people in cocaine.
2: But here's the thing. Yeah, they used to pay. Yeah, 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 yeah. I can't tell you how many times I've said to club owners, my landlord doesn't take cocaine. Yeah. Um,
0: um,
2: but um, the control thing was something that I, I, I really felt across the board in my life. I felt it artistically. I felt it professionally. I felt it just as a human being. I felt like this thing that had served me so well my whole life, which was sort of... Having stuff figured out before I dove in,
1: mm-hmm.
2: you know, before I moved forward, I had to have some sense of, of exactly what I was doing. Mm-hmm. Um, um, I felt like that was what was really stymieing me across the board. Mm-hmm. And uh, I really went into a tailspin for about 10 years. And, and that's when I started to, um, I, I mean, I did all the sort of cliche things, like I jumped out of an airplane to overcome <laughs> that fear. And, you know, and I, was, I started to do all these things and, yeah. and I ended up leaving the country. I ended up moving to the UK for a while okay. <coughs> because... I was. I couldn't even. I wasn't even sure who I was anymore. And when I went someplace where nobody knew me, I mean, I'm talking in terms of comedy.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: I was like, you know what? I can tell them exactly who I am right now. I get to make the choice myself yeah. right now. Yeah. I don't have to reinvent. I just have to show up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know. And so that was really profound. That idea of letting go of control. Right. And at the, around the same time as when I started working on the Aristocrats. Mm-hmm. And so over a period of about five years in that headspace. Uh, I did the aristocrats, which turned out for me to be all about uh, uh, all about letting go of outcome, mm-hmm. not knowing what it 's going to be, mm-hmm. just seeing what it becomes and not mm-hmm. judging it you know and not and and, and, yeah. and i 've done that with just about every other project I've done since, because that was a huge, huge turning point for me, that thing of letting go of control. It's great. Really huge. I that's think that's really maybe great. why I love this
1: so much.
0: I think so. I mean, I think what's really, really great is that you really archive comedy and all of its different emotions and tenses and feelings. I don't know any comedian that's ever done that. You know, it's incredible, because it's like you look at our lives and see that there's patterns and value, and like can value in the way that we're thinking, and so you try to commemorate it for us. Oh. I think it's really... Genius. oh
2: thank you that's a that's a uh, i'm honored by that no comment idea. thank you yeah no um it, you know a long time ago somebody said you know like a writer has to write what they know you right. know as a comedian you have to talk about what you know mm-hmm. you know and um my life has been so single purposely obsessed with comedy since mm-hmm. i was a kid mm-hmm. that that's really all i know yeah. so I, I i just i just started taking what i know and trying to tell love stories. Yeah. It's really what it is. Just try and try and I want people to feel about comedy and the world of comedy and and the thing that we all have about having to say things we just got to get this out right. and this is our medium, you mm-hmm. know. Um, um, I, I, I want to give people a chance to sort of feel what I feel being a part of that. Yeah. Not tell them what, it, what, what to feel. Not show them what it is. Mm-hmm. Just sort of let it kind of be its own context so that they can have an experience about it. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah,
0: exactly. That's
2: more than just, oh, that was really funny. Right. You know?
0: Well, no, you're analyzing it from a different point of view like when we used to do on Comics Only when we uh, yeah, talk kinda. about where, where our lives are I remember when Con- uh, Janine Garofalo hurt her back oh, and that's she was right. on Con- Tom only, and she was on her back Yeah, and she was like I just remember that back injury so much more than anything like just because yeah. you took a moment to like ask her how she was doing and it was kind of everything that was happening in her life right then yeah, and yeah. it was really cool this real cool sudden sl- snapshot that we have of
2: yeah, our lives. Yeah, 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 That show, actually, I just um, found, uh, I'm, I've just digitized the uh, 165 episodes oh, of it. Oh, wow. In kind of, um, it's off of VHS because nobody knows where the masters are.
1: Uh-huh. So it was oh, off of
2: VHS, so it's sure. kind of, it's,
1: it's not great quality, but oh my God, it's a time capsule. Oh, such a time capsule. That time was time. a great period of, was it, was it, Comedy Channel or was it Ha at that point Actually, before it became when, when com- we
2: started it it was Ha Okay. Yeah. and then it became uh, Comedy Central when they merged with right. Comedy Channel
1: because there, there were a great couple of shows with, with your show with Comics Only which had some great some great writers and some great bits, and yeah. then Alan Harvey's show was really great too. Right, uh, up all night.
2: Yeah, 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 yeah. And he had he had that great thing, an audience of one, mm-hmm. which where he just did the show from one audience <laughs> member, and and seat was all blocked off and everything. And it was a very interesting dynamic. Yeah, and that was like back in '85 or something, '86. Yeah, yeah.
0: It was great though. I mean. It was so enlightened, and think about this kind of late night comedy that was really talking about comedians and where they were with their lives, and that's really cool. Oh, Hicks, thank was, you. Hicks was on Comics Only. Yeah, mm-hmm. Hicks
2: did a bunch of yeah. times. Yeah, because yeah, I always used to tell him all the stuff they wouldn't let you do on the other shows, mm-hmm. do, do it on this show. Yeah. And uh, so, like, anytime I, 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 you know, we asked him to come on if he could possibly do it, he did. <laughs> um, uh, Sam Kinnison's last appearance on television. Mm-hmm. He, Mm-hmm. Um, and he did a bunch of weird things with us too a bunch of, remember we used to do these little sketches with comedians and then we would just put them in shows yeah. ten shows later yeah. And, yeah and he did a few of those uh, and it was weird because they were coming up after he died oh wow yeah
1: <laughs> well it was very strange having but, make but that's the perfect person to have that too because there's nobody like that's so disrespectful yeah 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 fucking yeah. with Kenneth yeah. and it's like yeah it works out good <laughs> know but didn't you have bits where like they would got even darker and darker. Like, didn't Jake Johansson? Yeah, Jake Johansson Shoot himself in the head and the blood splattered the all yeah, over the place. Had, we even
2: had a we had a thing we called the Gut Blower Two Thousand. It was uh, it, we built this thing to do all these. We did a lot of cartoon violence where somebody mm-hmm. will blow their brains out yeah. and you know, and the next and then all of a sudden they're on the set with like a you know a band aid over their forehead. <laughs> and, you I just popped a couple of Advil. I'm okay. You know, it was it was really so over the top. So funny. Um, we redid the um, this being of that uh, of that time. We redid the L.A. riots, but it was clowns rioting. Uh-huh. Uh huh. No jesters, no peace. And and we recreated the Reginald Denny thing. Oh my God. You know the the guy getting pulled out. Of it. We had Fred Wolf go down in a the happy suit covered in happy faces and a happy suit helmet and everything. And we'd always send him to the worst parts of the city to cheer them up. And Aww. he would just get the shit beat out of him everywhere he went. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, it was really cartoony, but it was it was great so fun. So funny.
0: So then can we see the digitized version?
2: Yeah, I'm going to put them online at some point. Um, and um, there's a Twitter feed, at comics underscore only. Um, and I, I, I'm going to start... Putting them online in the next few months.
0: And where yeah. can they tweet you at set, at Setlist?
2: Uh, they it, well, it, mine is Dash, at, Paul, at Provenza, Paul Provenza. No and dots, then, no dashes, and Setlist is at Setlist Show.
0: And so they can tweet at both of them, and they can they also find out who's going to be performing.
2: Yes, uh, we we the lineups up there for everybody who's on all our shows, no matter where they are in the world. Mm, that's great. <laughs> it's very hard calculating time zones. <laughs>
0: yeah, I'm sure. I, I wouldn't even know where to start. I mean, I don't even know where did you come from last? Uh,
2: LA? well, actually, yeah. um, no, I was in L. A. But before that, we were doing it in Meyerhoff in Austria at the Altitude Comedy oh, Festival, shit. which was awesome. fantastic. That's awesome. Yes. Yeah, it was so great. I
0: love Austria. I just came from Vienna. They love comedy. They do. They're it's, great. It's
2: surprising.
0: It's awesome. I mean, I love that, you know, we can go to these different countries. I don't know why that's possible now. Maybe it's the Internet.
2: It's absolutely the Internet. In fact, I was just talking to David O'Doherty, and he told me he came back from a tour in Russia. Mm. I I went, in Russia? And he said, yeah. He goes, there's, like, all these hipsters over there that are bit-torrenting, illegally downloading all kinds of stuff from comedians they're discovering around the world. And it's like, I immediately said... I bet Doug Stanhope has a following in Russia. <laughs> I bet he does. <laughs> you Walk know? in
0: the USSR.
2: Yeah. Oh,
0: I love Doug. That's a great thing. Yeah. I, so, but him there. I, I
2: think the, the Internet has really, really changed things. I mean, yeah. you know, when Jim Jeffries came to America, he had never really performed in America, maybe one or two spots at the Improv or something like that. Mm-hmm. But he came in, and within months he was, you know, playing stadiums because yeah. uh, uh, people knew him from the Internet. Yeah. It's It's... Funny. Really cool. It's yeah. really cool. And people, I always say this now, too, to comics. I always say, you know, there is there is absolutely no excuse for you to compromise who you are and what you really believe in in mm-hmm. comedy anymore because there is an audience for all of it. Right. All you have to do is, you know, do what you do and that audience will get to you. So true. You know? And, and when I hear comedians doing that thing about, well, you know, I, I got to tone it down because uh, I want to get on Conan or I want to get a Comedy Central special or whatever, it's like... Oh, man, there's a lot of people making fine, fine livings and more importantly, supporting themselves well enough to continue doing what they do who yeah. don't compromise the thing they do. Yeah. And, you know, man, that a, 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 dude, what is it, a groundhog or just a gerbil that just turns and looks at the camera real fast, gets like 20 million views. Mm-hmm. So who, <laughs> who, who knows what people want? That's right. why just be be, you, be who you are and do what you do because yeah. somebody so nice. is out there wants it.
0: So true. Yeah. Well, I'll come back and um, maybe I'll do, uh, if you have free time in any of your shows, I'm around all oh, week. Oh, yeah, so. please.
2: You want to do, um, well, we're off tomorrow night, so mm-hmm. do you want to do Thursday, Thursday night?
0: Yeah, I'll come Thursday. Wow, that'd be fantastic. And we'll address my fears. All right. <laughs>
2: I love
0: you, Paul Pavenza. So thank we you for talking to me. We can have a little then. therapy
2: session afterwards. Let's have like. a, let, Let's
0: break it down. <laughs> let's break it down. What are you going to do with your day off?
2: <laughs> oh, what am I going to do with my day off? I have a feeling I'll be trying to get over jet lag yeah. yet again.
0: Yeah. Well, it takes a while. Yeah, it takes it does, a while. Man. But good luck to you. And
1: thank but you so much. Plus, also, we're
2: dealing with all the Setless show in London and in Los Angeles uh, and, and in New international. York. So, well, I'm in like, so many time zones. I have no circadian rhythm at all. It's
1: all right. But I it's like awesome. You that
2: way. I'm, we're, we're, all of us, we're just Johnny Comedy Seed spreading comedy <laughs> seeds around spreading wherever we your go. Seed. And, spreading and, on there's, seed. and there's
1: a couple of the spreading different seeds. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God that's hey, you are go out to there. your websites, yeah. I'll go to mine. What, about, what was that laying in pipe? In the mayonnaise jaws. Ew.
0: <laughs> who used to lay pipe? What was in our comic that would like take a map of the United States and then everywhere he fucked somebody, he would put LP, laid pipe. <laughs> <laughs> who is this comic? You guys oh, know like, I I don't know, know but who You
2: know, I bet if you asked every comic on earth that question they'd all have a list of ten people and they would all be different
1: people <laughs>
0: I, I think it's Vince Champ
1: Vince Champ <laughs> he um oh yeah he he, he he laid illegal pipe yeah boy
0: <laughs> he, he was, laid was he pipe
1: even, where the pipe wasn't pipe needed he wanted, was uh, offshore drilling It <laughs> <laughs> oh.
0: <laughs> was totally offshore drilling It <laughs>
1: was totally drill baby drill
2: <laughs> can they hear podcasts in prison
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, I hope not <laughs> We're in Australia. Wow. Thank you, Paul Babenzo. We love you so much. Thank you. I
2: love you. It's great to see you. Great to see you. Thanks so much. Hey, this is a treat. A dear old friend is in town uh, doing her show here. And uh, holy shit, what a treat. Ladies and gentlemen, you know her from her uh, starring role in the hit uh, Spielberg film, Womb Envy. will you welcome the never before seen set list a Margaret Cho! Thank you so much. Thank you.
0: Um, I don't know how, how do we do it? How do we do it? How do you do it? Well, how do you do it? This is how you do it you get all your friends together and then you know everybody's different so they've all got a different article of clothing you know in their bag whatever you just take little pieces off mostly like accessories and then you just kind of put them all on one guy kind of like he's like a christmas tree so you just like adorn him with whatever you have scarves just a whole bunch of them you know maybe he's kind of like you know, just collecting them all he's like this kind of buddhist like, altar, like he's just collecting all of your alms, and, and you dress him up, and then you get him really, really super dressed up, and then you turn the lights on, and it's a big surprise! Because you, it's all like quilted together now. It's like a skirt, and like, you know, he's wearing so many things that it's just like a big dress that keeps giving to you, and that is a surprise party for a transvestite. Yeah. Oh, is that how you do it? It's like a game, it's a fucking horrible game. For comedians, that uh, is, it, I guess it's really, it's, it's, I mean, for me, this, let me tell you, this is like, this show gives me a lot of anxiety, and only do it because I've been friends with Paul for like 27 years. And I said I would do this, and I, I'm doing it, but every time I think I fucking hate this shit. Because <laughs> I want to control it. It's really hard for me to, like, control it when I have to be dictated by what you put up here, which you fucking evil fucks have decided. I mean, it's not improvisational because they have put it together they've taken all your ideas and they put it together and they kind of personalize it to fuck us up like it's our own personal hell they give us these things that they think we should be brilliant at but it's kind of like expectations as a child you know like when your parents put expectations on you this is kind of like me in like school and not being good at math And then my parents give me all fucking fucked up, you know, Asian algebra problems that I'm supposed to understand and know why a train going to Beijing is going to arrive before another train crossing the Yellow River, and I can't fucking do math. That's what I feel like. So this is only because I love Paul and I love Troy, and um, that's. But I, you know, I. Oh, every time I get asked to do it, I try to think of, I improvise an excuse to get out. <laughs> But today, I was not fast enough in improvising. And I, so now I'm fucking here. I'm waiting for the next bomb to drop. Go right ahead. <laughs> the racist morning affirmation. And sometimes you forget. Like, I forget what race I am because I'm not looking at myself from here. So I don't know to be racist. I, I'm looking out this way. So I forget. You know what I mean? It just slips my mind. You know, so every morning, I gotta go, chink. <laughs> Zipper, hat. Zipper hat. And then I remember, oh, people are fucking racist, that's right, and then I get out there and I'm angry. You know, it's always hard to tell if Asian people are angry, because they're kind of... <laughs> so I'm clear, you're so not really sure. So that's why it's important to do your racist morning affirmations. Don't, don't forget. I'm real close to Asia, so there's people out here really use all this. So uh, case-sensitive safe word. Well, you know, because if like you're a top, you're uh, always capitalized. Your name is always capitalized. You're fucking top. I'm a top, and I'm fucking M. You know, my first initial is M, and I always capitalize it in my mind. But if you're a bottom, then you're in, like, you know, these little, um, little, like, little kind of, it's very um, English. You probably use the English spelling of color, like C-O-L-O-U-R, like E-E Cummings. You know, you're kind of like <laughs> Katie Lang, where you only have a little It's you your because you're just little, and you're just submissive, and stuff. You know, and the thing about Esenom is that if it goes too far, <laughs> you could die. Like you could die with all caps D I E fucking die, and so you have to be careful um, and use a safe word. And if you're a bottom, you have to make sure that it's case sensitive. So you don't want your your caps to be locked. So you gotta like unlock and make the light not go on on your keyboard and make sure that you are um, you know saying a little safe word like. Don't hurt me. Sometimes people want to say don't hurt me because that's part of the turn-on. So maybe something totally unrelated, like (laughs) chrysanthemum. Or um, sausage roll? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, This is my thing. I love Paul Hester. And I love... (laughs) You know, I fucking love Australian music. And let me tell you, the death of Paul Hester, every time I come to Melbourne, I fucking think about Paul Hester. And this is my problem. I talk talk about Paul Hester too much. I talk about Michael Hutchins way too much. Because there was a time in Australia when, there was a moment in Australia where everything was fucking hot. Like, you remember, I don't know if you're old enough to know this, but Australia was once fierce. And it was this moment when it was like, such an incredible moment. Like it was. It was like before Mel Gibson was a homophobe. Remember that when he was fucking Mad Max, and he was like hot. Like he was like a hot all capitalized top. And um, all right, I think that's pretty good. That I fucking made up a callback from some fucked up thing that I just made up. Sorry, Zeta. I'm like, you know, I know I'm presenting my anger here. Like, I'm totally, like, not, I don't need to be angry about this, because it doesn't have to last that long, obviously. And I don't need to be, like, come up here with all this pride. I don't know why I have all this pride. First of all, I, I have a bit of it because I'm menstruating. So, and I'm actively, actually bleeding, and I have about maybe uh two or three minutes left on this particular american tampon that i brought all the way from california and i don't know what the australian menses process is like is it like a fucking kangaroo pouch do you just bleed into something i don't know do you bleed into a didgeridoo what do i fucking do at this point i don't know but i'm up here and i'm thinking about all my australian heroes who have died not really they're not really sure if it's suicide or Autoerotic asphyxiation. Well, my feeling is is that these guys are my heroes. Like I love Paul Hester. I love Crowded House. I love you know he was in Split Ends for a moment when they broke up and you know they came to Australia. They were going to be um, Crowded House after that. And you know I, I know him. I know Neil ben, very well. So these guys are my friends. And you know he's dead. And I don't want to think of him as a suicide. I don't want to think of a of an Australian hero of mine like Michael Hutchins as being a suicide. So I think of them as my auto erotic asphyxiation <laughs> coaches. They are there to lift me up. They're there to show me how it's fucking done.
2: <laughs> 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 I love my mother spent 10 minutes talking about how she sucked at this and then fucking made everything a little easier. I was so <laughs> show. Margaret Cho, ladies and gentlemen! Uh, Margaret Cho, who frankly does not need this shit. (laughs) (laughs) I wish you had told us you were uh, menstruating, we would have put newspaper down. (laughs)